You are now listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tire Andy Podcast. Welcome to the Flat Tire Andy Podcast, episode 11 on July 11th, 2020. Time is 10.23 a.m. And today's guest, people asked, and they got their wish. He's back, Mr. LAPD himself. Hello, guys. It's Officer Pacheco again, returning to the Flat Tire Andy Podcast. What's up, bud? How you been? A lot better now, now that things have kind of calmed down, at least in L.A., it's been a lot better. So the last time we had you here, day right after the whole George Floyd situation in Minneapolis, where things weren't as hectic as they are now, dude, how has it been since? Well, I mean, as you said, uh, at that time, things weren't really as crazy as as they got. And those crazy days, luckily, they only lasted for about a good four days where it was like the chaos. After that, it, it, it really, really calmed down. Each day literally was progressively less and less violent, less chaotic, and more what it should have been, which was just peaceful protesting. There were still thousands of people, but they were just peacefully marching, peacefully protesting. And just because of the stuff that was going on prior, we were just there for presence, um, protecting those um, like this, like City Hall, our our station in downtown, our jails in downtown, and other um, critical sites that are located in downtown, as well as trying to prevent any looting that was still going on. So it was, you know, for good. I would say for a good week, it was just kind of just chaotic, but progressively, each day was less and less um, violent, less right. and less chaotic. So for those of you that don't know. Uh, Ricky is actually my soon-to-be brother-in-law. He's going to marry my sister-in-law pretty soon. We got to see those those text messages, those threads, and, you know, pray for Ricky. He's out there. He's working 12-hour shifts. He's all night. He's not eating. He's, you know, keeping him in your prayers. And, you know, we just kept on seeing those, uh, the news coverage, man. It's like these, these riots are getting out of control. They're, you know, they're throwing rocks at police officers. They're... Uh, setting police officers on cars on fire and you know I made the mistake of actually be to be watching the news one one afternoon with the boys in the in the room because that night they had nightmares you know yeah. they 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 were afraid that somebody was going to come here and break into the house yeah I mean it, 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 luckily they weren't really breaking into houses though but it was very real in the sense of like you know it, they they were being violent and some people were being violent they were trying to be violent towards us, as us as in the police. They actually ended up hurting other people, people that were actually peacefully protesting as well. Um, these are people within the groups. So 16 days straight of just working in, you know, the first few days it was, you know, it was actually, it was fun in the sense of like adrenaline. And like, that's part of the reason why we joined, you know, some sort of law enforcement because we like, or some of us may like that, like, um, oh man, we're getting in the so-called shit. You know, yeah. Um, but it was nothing that I was expecting. I, I I did not expect it to be the way that it was. And at times, I mean, most times, it was just scary. Even just driving through downtown to get to certain locations, right? You know, to try to, you know, digress the group to a certain location away from a critical site, or like away from certain shops that were being looted at the time, or being vandalized. After I think day four or five, it kind of sat in where I'm like, I'm, I'm, You're beat. I'm, I'm, be, I'm, I'm pretty over this. Like I, I'm ready to just have a day off and right. 
it wasn't stopped. That, that was kind of my, I would say day four or five was like my, I don't want to say breaking point because I didn't break. I just like, it, it, it dawned on me that how tired I am, how exhausted I am. And uh, that's when I sent the message to my family. Like, um, I'm exhausted. I, because first of all, at night, I can't sleep well. I can't sleep during, during the day. So I'm getting like four hours of sleep, but it's like in like, in like increments. I'm sleeping for like an hour. Wake Welcome up like to the 30. night crew. Yeah. And I, I was, I mean, I already, always, I already knew that's how I was. I was trying to avoid it. And as dark as our, our blinds are in my house, it doesn't matter. I can't sleep during, during the day. And, um, that led to, at, for those 12 hours I'm working, we can't really eat. We're snacking. So we're going to like 7-Eleven having like hot Cheetos or something. And that's the nutrition we're having. And then it, it, that's when it dawned that, yeah. And donuts. And what? Well, that answered my son's question from the last episode. <laughs> and donuts. You know what? Those nights, no. But when things chilled out a little bit more, they were starting. In the morning, people would have coffee and donuts, of course. So, yes, they were. Donuts were definitely um, always provided at our command post. I wish my son was here to hear that <laughs> that, that answer. Yeah, um, no, man. Like I said, it, it hit home when we're getting those text messages that you're, you know, out and about. And it's like, for me, example, I lived through the Rodney King riots, mm-hmm. but I didn't live in in LA County. I just watched them on the news. I'm what third grade watching this stuff on TV. Now it really hits you when your own town is boarding up their businesses. When you drive to your smart and final to go write their beer order and their windows are boarded up, you go to your, uh, you know, Norgate and you go to the CBS next door. People are boarding up their windows because now there's going to be protesters in La Puente. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, dude, this is this is serious. This is no longer a so-called TV show. This is real. Coming home and just, you know, I remember asking my wife, you think I should lock the gate? You know, like, we don't lock. I mean, we don't. We close the gate, but we don't lock it, lock it. I got like three locks on there, but we don't lock them. One of those nights, I, I, I locked them and you know, the cameras aren't going to stop anybody from jumping over. But luckily, not, it was it was a peaceful protest out here in, in La Puente, so it wasn't that bad. But just watching the news coverage, I, I, I was over it. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. This is a flashback. This is, you know, Ronnie King all over again. It's 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 horrible. And I remember watching this uh, video of this of this man from 1992 where he's yelling at people, you know, I am, I came from the ghetto too, you know, but you don't see me looting. You don't see me burning buildings down. And this was supposed to be a peaceful protest. And I, I feel for that guy, but this, this video was from again, 1992. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it came a time where, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was scary throughout the thing, you know, cause I mean, you don't know what people are going to do in this, knowing that, as you know the media coverage broke um they know that we have undercovers inside of the protesters as well not to like people think that we have undercovers to like that the police are starting and breaking things to start the riots and stuff like that because i have a lot of good friends that were in it and what their goal and purpose was of being in there was to locate those people that were throwing the bricks dropping people are driving truckloads of bricks and parking them on the side what's up with that yeah i mean there there was like celebrities posting on their like on their social medias you know i came out of my house and there's you know a pile of bricks just outside and people that there was these 
there was, I don't know, I don't recall what city, but again, videos that these officers were taking bro- rocks from a like a little park and stacking them outside on the on the sidewalk, and somebody caught them doing that. Honestly, honestly, dude, I'm at the point where I don't believe. Honestly, I'm gonna say it. I don't believe half that crap anymore. Yeah, I mean, from what from when I was talking to them and living it, you know, it most of them, at least in LA, I can't talk about it anywhere else because I don't know what everyone's, you know, agendas are different, obviously, in different, you know, agencies. But at least in LA, they were simply just telling us, "Hey, there's a truck driving this on this street on this direction, and he's either passing out bricks or they have a stack full of bricks. And if they're just driving by with this, you know." truck for uh, a bed full of bricks we can't really do much besides you know talk to him hey what are you doing yeah he can easily be a construction worker right but it's just it it's like okay why are you driving in this area at this time at like 10 in the morning right but again it's, it's not enough to like like oh he was doing it because he was giving out bricks there's to, not a lot of construction yeah. sites going on in yeah, downtown it, LA. so it was enough to talk to the person and see you know what the motive was but that was kind of about it it was hoping that hey the cops know what truck i'm driving i should probably just yeah. leave and not hand these bricks out so those people so they were there to tell us hey this is what the group's planning to do this is the direction that they want to go this is it's this person or these people that are throwing the cones the bricks the stones the bottles because they would have a bunch of like you know piss and shit inside a bottle and just chuck it at the line are you serious so it was so to so that way when we were targeting people to arrest we weren't arresting the peaceful protesters Right. It was to target the ones that were being violent. Now, once the curfew was um, enforced, you know, we started arresting the peaceful protests because then it was a, a mayor put the executive order that, hey, there's a curfew now. And we gave them, and the it would be announced multiple times, and we gave them an hour extra. So if the mayor's, I believe it was at 8.30, was the curfew. At 9.30. That's when you guys really start to, started to... Yeah, because we just hold and say, hey, you have to leave or you, or you will be arrested. Someone leave. After that, we would just start. Sweet, we would just walk with our batons and start, kind of like corralling people because they're all getting arrested. Right. So then we just corral them to an area, and then one by one we just arrest them. You know, and then it was just crazy that now we're people say we're in riot gear, but honestly, everything nothing really was different besides putting on a helmet. Right. We always have our baton on us. We always have the uniform, our bulletproof vest. The only thing we had different was just the helmet on. So we were in our you know mobilization attire which was just patrol attire but just with the helmet right and so we would just have that on and you know it so we're nothing different than what we normally wear but we'd be arresting people with guns on them and then on that our undercovers would find guns stashed throughout the city in bushes and you know like underneath you know homeless tents wow so i mean like again i'm not trying to say that you know the protesters were you know trying to harm us you know they could have easily been doing it too for protection against other people against you know or you know but other agendas as well because it's extremists on both sides obviously but you know just kind of want to relay that you know there was violence obviously on both sides and it's like i told some of my cousins you know unfortunately when law enforcement has to exert some sort of force on a person most times it's not gonna look pretty because they're resisting which is what's causing the force you know that we're exerting on them to arrest them and just unfortunately, at those times, it's not going to look pretty. Right. You know, there's no way of making it look pretty. Or- so, I mean, right now, there's so much tension between, obviously, police officers and regular people. I, myself, 
don't have anything against police officers. And I mean, especially, you know, having two of them in the family, two of them that my children adore, you know, they freaking love you and, and your fiance. I know I, from my point of view, not all cops are bad. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, there's a bad apple. Yes. Everywhere. Even a normal family can have a bad apple. Yeah. You know, they do. They happen to pass their, what do you call it? The psychological, the psychic test. and Yeah. And that's it. I mean, I had a lot of good conversations with some of these protesters and, you know, I, I don't, I know I didn't change their mind just like they didn't change mine, but I think we kind of just understood each other. You know, they would always tell me, you know, like, you know, like, uh, how, how, cause, they, cause I look young, of course, you know, I know the viewers, uh, the listeners can't see, but I have a baby face. So they're like, they are like, how much time do you have on the, you know, on on the job? And I'll tell them, I got like three years on. And they're like, oh, it's not too late for you. You can still change your job. And I'm like, I love what I do. And they would say like, oh, you know, you love people hating you. And I said, you know, first you're not, I said, you you don't, you're not going to understand from my point and that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. I'm like, but you'd be surprised how many thank yous I get compared to, you know, like F yous because the people that appreciate you show it a lot more than people that like hate you it's funny because people that hate police when they're in trouble who are they gonna call they can't call the coastbusters you know i guess some would though they have (laughs) would rather (laughs) right you guys are there to protect and serve and when they are in a predicament they're gonna have to call you guys yeah i mean if for at least a report at least some would you know when i talk to them all the time you know a lot of the the people that are in gangs you know they really try not to but there's just times when even gangsters feel threatened and they know they have no choice that they got that they have to call us so i mean yeah i mean at some point eventually everyone does need you know the police at some point you know and right like i said it or like it's been said before when police are called it's usually not because you know we're going to something good you know it's something bad has happened so it's already a negative experience and we're trying to go in there to make it somewhat peaceful but depending on the officer you get in the mood that that person or that situation the officers in will dictate you know that interaction right so a few weeks ago you asked me to ask on my facebook if they had any questions for you yeah i mean i figured you know certain people want questions that they may not always have exactly you know the time to so, officer, so i did tell them that they were going to get a shout out if your their question was asked now some of these were kind of dark questions that's okay yeah i mean you I, were yeah. you mentioned you're willing to answer the dark questions yeah i'm not i'm not scared i mean it's Okay. I get a lot of... The first question comes from my buddy, Frank Alvarado. And he asked, do they think having a badge is a license to kill? No, of course not. You know, having a badge really, it's it's not... A lot of people get kind of fixated on the badge. And that includes people on, that are actually law enforcement as well. And like, like I said, on the when last time I was on the podcast, no one, at least from what I talked to, the officers, I mean, there's 10,000 officers on in LAPD haven't talked to every single one of them but i've talked to a good majority being at three different divisions and there's not one time where i talked to a fellow colleague and they're like yeah you know i kind of hope i wish i kind of hope i go out there and shoot someone today no one wishes to pull that trigger because the people we've talked to that have had to pull that trigger it's it's a uh traumatic experience both they're living through it and also how scrutiny the department is because then there comes a lawsuit and the department has to review everything. It's such a long process that could take up to a year. So no one really looks for that, at least here in L.A. No one 
you know, kind of get excited on that kind of rush on like, oh, yeah, I want to shoot someone today. I hope that happens today. It does not happen. Okay. We get the rush of, yeah, I want to chase someone today. I want to, you know, if someone's doing something bad, you know, I want to stop that. That's the rush we that we want, you know, but it's never like we don't feel like, yeah, this is, you know, we have a badge. Yeah, you know what? If I don't like you, I can shoot you right now, at least from the people I've talked to. So, again, Frank Alvarado, shout out to you again, my friend. <laughs> he said, ask him what they showed in the in the end of watch movie is real so is the end of watch movie based on true events i've i've heard mixed things i've heard they were based on true events like the opening scene i guess it was so which i mean that that happens a lot though i mean that happened two times just this year alone in my division which is where end of watch is said to have been filmed they said that they're from newton division and some of the streets are actually from newton division as well Right. You know, the locker room scene is not, though. But, you know, some of the streets are actually in Newton Division. And it was just funny. I was just telling my partner a couple months ago that I was actually in the apartment complex in the actual room where that final shootout happened. In the movie? or In the in the, movie. In the, in the So, again, I watched that movie once. I didn't okay. like the ending, obviously, because <laughs> people die. Yeah. So you're saying that you were in the room where they filmed the movie or... It, again, is the movie based on true events? So it's not that part's not based on true events where the two officers were being targeted by like by the Mexican mafia or anything like that. But it was in the final scene where there's a shootout when they're shooting in the apartment complex and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his partner go into an apartment an apartment room to kind of bunker down and return fire. I was actually in that apartment complex in that apartment in that actual apartment it was just for a separate call just kind of a coincidence that i just bought the call and i'm like I so were they this and... so where they filmed it pretty much yeah, that's all you're saying it. where yeah. they filmed the, they filmed the scene yep. you were happy you I happened was, to be in there yep it was nice nice so okay yeah so question number two comes from my friend silverio martinez and he wants to know what's a chokehold <laughs> what's a chokehold so chokehold is now something that we're not authorized to do anymore. Actually, yeah, we. I heard a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're not allowed to do um, a chokehold, which I mean, I I agree and don't and don't agree with. Because the thing is, nine times out of ten, most officers will not do a chokehold. And chokehold, I mean, the way that we're taught in the academy, is you know what kind of considered like a rear naked choke. You know, when if you go behind them, you know you put your the crook of your elbow you know into the neck and you just squeeze down so that way you know to gain some sort of compliance it's only authorized in a deadly force situation so pretty much if you're allowed to like if he's on top of you and you know you're to fight for your life is the only time you're allowed to use it in the lapd so a lot like you'll hear a lot of the officers say like pretty much if you're allowed to shoot them you can also put them in a chokehold so, again, nine times out of ten, an officer is not going to be in that type of situation. In my three years and with multiple scuffles with, um, you know, suspects, you know, fighting, it's, I've never been close to attempting or even none of, my, none of my partners close to even, you know, doing something around the neck because we know it's the delicate area. Right. Now that option's gone. Again, mixed emotions because do we really use it anyways? No, not really, but... The, op, the fact that, hey, if I have to defend myself in a close quarters, so you'd rather either someone baton them in the head or, you know, shoot them because it's a, it's a deadly situation yeah. where I can just gain control with, 
you know, a like a rear naked check, or, I'm sorry, rear naked choke or something. But I mean, again, it's just, it's all, then the only officers that would do it anyway are the ones that are trained, like, that are comfortable doing it. So that's what I guess what a chokehold would consist gotcha. of. Question number three would be from my friend Luis Angel Barrera. He wants to know what kind of training did you have when arresting someone? So, I mean, for us in LAPD, the training that we had was the same thing, you know, and it's, it's, it's so funny how like we hear all these things in the news on this whole, you know, cops should learn de-escalation and, you know, how to control the situation and everything when other departments, I guess, do not do that because that's literally what we get trained in the academy and continue to get trained on is de-escalation. So when we arrest someone, it's just, you know, click, click, right? Yeah. I mean, it's literally as minimum force as possible. If you got to fight someone, you know, you do as minimum force as possible, you know, at the time where you're not in danger to where you can just slap on those cuffs. You know, if it's just vocalizing, you know, we call it verbal judo. If you can verbal judo them to, you know, pretty much put handcuffs on themselves, that's equally as impressive as if you're taking down someone. Okay. So that's the kind of training we got is, hey, verbal judo them, de-escalate the situation, control it. Talk like, hey, man, like, it's, don't add an extra charge. That's the, I love that line. Don't add an extra charge. Right now you're just going for this. Don't add an extra charge, man. And usually it does work. Okay. Question from Fabian Romero. He says, ask him what does he think on all the police shootings of unarmed people of color? Is that what they teach them at the academy? So, same thing. We never get taught in the academy, like, hey, if someone's, you know, unarmed, this is how, this is where you should shoot them. It's never a thing, right? Like, that's, I don't know. It's just a lot of, that's a, that's like a media type question that he also just heard from the media. Now, does it happen? Of course it happens. You know, and same thing when you look at the numbers. Cause I'm a very factual person. You know, it's, I mean, in it's the same. Unarmed people of color get shot just, you know, as well as underarmed, you know, white people get, get, get shot as well. Now, are white people the majority in the U.S.? Of course they are. So that's why it's also going to happen as well. That's why you're, as officers, we're more likely to get in a shooting with someone that is white because, again, they're the majority. Us people of color are the minority. Right. So it's, I mean, it's same across the board. You know, it's just what what I call that is, you know, lack of training. You know, makes that, sense. You know, that that's really what that is. Now, I don't know every situation, and I can't say that every situation is a lack of training. But from the ones that I see that are questionable, it's just a lack of training. Now, I recall last episode that you were on. You did mention that when you that moment you had the gun pointed at someone, mm-hmm. you are trained not to have your finger on the trigger. Yep, it always goes along the side of the frame. Yeah, so, so that, I'm assuming that some of these issues are because the guys are not are not are, are put their hand their finger in the on the trigger. That or you know they're just scared. You know, like fear and par- and when you panic is anyone's biggest you know biggest flaw if you allow your actions result from fear and being um and being in a state of panic nine times out of ten those results aren't going to be you know in your favor you're going to do something you know drastically right from that reaction and that reaction unfortunately can be the loss of someone's life 
you know so that's that's why when me and my partner you know we had this literally a couple of days ago this dude was fighting us and he's a big guy he's 6'4 250 okay. and I'm 5'10 you know 180 my partner's 6 foot you know 200 yeah guys I can pick him up with one arm <laughs> so, so we were fighting this guy and the whole time we're just calm you can even hear on on our body where I'm like hey man relax dude like you know it's just a warrant right now you know that's why a lot of people you know kind of freak out you know when you know we detain someone and we're we don't tell them right away why they're being detained because like imagine you know I come to you right away and I detain you and I'm trying to put you in handcuffs so I know that hey there's no fight and you're like hey what am I being detained for it's the reason why we usually don't do that is because if I tell you, hey, well, I'm detaining you because you mastered the description of a shooting suspect and you freak out. Yeah. I'd rather you be in a confused state than in a state over like, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. And freaking out, thinking that we're going to pin it on you. Right. No, let us just do our investigation. You know, let us just. Yeah. I'm not saying you did it, but, you know, let us just let me just make it safe for everyone. And I know people don't trust the police, but at least that I know you can't hurt me. Therefore, I won't hurt you. Let me put you in handcuffs because this is a violent criminal. The, that the, the handcuffs don't automatically mean you're being arrested. And it's like I tell them, as For fast as they come on. Everyone's protection. Yeah. I tell them, as fast as they go on, they come off as well. If you're not the person we're looking for, these things will come off and no harm, right. no foul. Right. We'll give you our, my apology. Hey, sorry, you just matched the description. You're in the area. Yeah. My bad. And that's it. But that's the reason why a lot of people are like, why aren't they telling you, you know, where you're being detained for? Because we don't want people to be like, oh, no, no, it's not me. And freak out. Because okay. then now it makes us something bigger. Okay. So my buddy, uh, Michael Williams, has actually a laundry list of questions. <laughs> you said you really liked the question he had about um, what does he think they should teach people and kids how to properly act when response to a question to questions when they are pulled over detained or have other types of interactions with police or are there classes or programmings that teach this that most people aren't aware of now i'm not sure of any classes that actually go around teaching how to interact with police but and you know it's it sucks for me to say but i i think that would be useful because i mean a lot of people just don't know how to interact with police and all we're doing is just to ensure safety most of us you know and you know, like even when I get pulled over, I know, hey, if I get pulled over by either LEPD, CHP, whatever department it is, I do these things because I know when um, when I get pulled over, this is what I would like happen to show that, hey, I'm a zero threat as possible. And because I know that I'm armed. Right. So even early on, I didn't feel comfortable telling, like when I first became a police officer, I didn't even like telling the officers when I got pulled over, that, hey, I have a weapon on me. So this is what I always did. I always just... Whenever you have an interaction with the police is one, I mean, unless it's, you know, that you're calling the police and it's a frantic situation, just be as calm as possible. Because we're always going to try to be as calm as possible, obviously. And then, you know, most interaction can happen in traffic stops. You know, if you get pulled over, first thing to do, obviously pull over, roll down all your windows. You know, even if they're not tinted, roll them all down. Like they always say, kids keep both hands on the steering wheel, you know. And you can and just have a conversation, you know, just, just talk to, like, if as smooth as a transition you want is how they're going to be. So just talk to them, even if the cost being like a dick. Like, I, I had one, and, and I think I was in Oregon or Washington. I forget which border I was on, but where I was being chill, the cop, I don't know if it was a bad day where the case was. 
he was still being a dick. But I mean, you know what? I don't. I don't yeah. You know, it's not gonna let that affect me. I'm just gonna be respectful. So that way, you know, it the con as quick as this. Because the thing is, people that sit there and argue all the time with the police, you know, now that, that doesn't mean that we're wrong. I mean, that we're never wrong. You know, if you feel like you were, you know, unlawfully stopped, you know, you can have a conversation about it. You know, but that's not gonna stop us from, like, hey, in our in our heads, we lawfully detained you. We're gonna verify who you are, make sure yeah. you're not a killer out out of you know New York, and you know that's it. And if like, hey, my bad, you know what, you're good. I'm sorry that you know wasted your time, and that's and that's what it'll be. So he's saying that apparently, um, <clears throat> sorry, he's saying that apparently, uh, Jacko Wil- Wilking said something Wilkins? on the podcast. Yeah, something on the podcast about lack of training. I mean, I I do hear that you guys are not in training long enough. So I, I do agree with that statement. And I watched that podcast because, like I told you, I like Joe Rogan. So I watched the Joe Rogan podcast a lot. And Is that what the JRE stands for? Yeah, the J Rogan experience. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's what he said was very truthful. And I agreed with literally almost everything that Jocko had to say in that podcast. In the sense of, like, uh, our academy is six months, you know. Is that enough? You know what? I think it's adequate. No, it's adequate enough to be a police officer. That's not for me to decide. You know, I'm not the ones who decide that. You know, I felt like I knew enough and I'm lawful. I was educated enough to do my job because that's just that's just the tactics and the um, education portion of it. Then comes a year long probation of field actual training, which is where you get it's like anything. You get all your experience from the field and when you're actually doing that thing. Right. So it's technically a year and a half. But now is it a year and a half of, you know, de-escalation training of scenario based training of stuff like that? It's not, but luckily for LAPD, what Jocko was mentioning, we already do. Every month, we have to qualify with our firearms. Every other month, you know, we go through scenario-based trainings for de-escalation, for mo- for mobilization, dealing with um, people with mental health issues. So we, every other month, we're going through some sort of training. Now, is that still enough for 10,000 officers? Probably not. I still think we need more because the one thing we don't do, and he's 100% right, we don't go through any type of, like, you know, wrestling or jujitsu type training. It's only what we learned in the academy. And that's pretty much about it. The rest is like you can do on your own. And they encourage, the department encourages you to go out and do your own training. Yeah. That doesn't mean everyone does, you know, including myself. You know, I I do boxing, but, you know, you're most likely going to wrestle someone than stand there and just get in a boxing match with someone. Yeah. So I, I do believe that, yeah, we're still are undertrained and which kind of goes inside with the next point I want to talk about, which is the whole defunding, you know, it's, it's, I do hundred percent agree with the actual systemic portion of defunding of like the whole, you know, if I don't have to go to another radio call of someone with mental health issues, someone dealing with homeless problem or someone with a uh, drug addiction problem, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. You can send a counselor to those calls. Because it's not illegal to be homeless. It's not illegal to be under the influence of someone, really, you know, unless you're for sales. And it's not illegal to be, you know, to have a mental health issue. And we, when we go there, we already do offer resources to these people. But that's it. We offer them the resources. We can't yeah. force them, like, hey, you have to go to this clinic. Hey, you have to call this person to get help. If they want help, we, we provide them resources. Yeah, but that's a, that's about it. And if a counselor, counselor can actually go and do something about it, oh, one hundred percent, they should. Then a counselor could and should go to those calls, not the police, 
we're looking for people that are committing crimes and we're they're sending someone that's looking for someone to commit crimes to a mental health issue or to a homeless problem or right. to someone with drug addiction. We we can't solve those problems. So he has a couple more questions. So telling you, he had a laundry list. I kind of like this question. He goes, what community involvement do they promote? You know, do they still have police sponsors with youth sports leagues? I like this question. Yeah, so um, they don't really have... I'm not that I'm aware of at least. No, I'm not. No, um, there's like actual like people that do all this stuff. They're called senior lead officers and uh, stuff like that. They So we don't have, I think, youth sports leagues anymore that I'm aware of at least. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I know we do have what's called, you know, PALS program and um, the cadets. And it's a lot of people think that they're trained to one day be in the military, um, one day be in the police force. No, it's just it's literally somewhere where it's a group of kids, you know, that learn discipline at the same time, you know. So it's, you know, it, it has some like, I guess, paramilitary type aspects in it where, you know, they get in line, you know, they do certain drills. But also they do a lot of community involvement stuff. Um, they do a lot of studying. They all, they can all do the homework together and stuff like that. So and it's literally goes like the Pals is for like a younger group. The cadets is for like more like teenagers start like type type of uh, people. So um, those are the two that I'm aware of right now. And it's the same thing just because of, you know, limited resources, I guess. It kind of pre- prevents from like having more and more of the things. But they do try to put on events you know um it's not as common though but they do try to do some events in the community um stuff like that his last question is what are your thoughts on this california bullshit gun laws (laughs) so i mean it's it's always hard to say regarding you know which part of the gun laws because californians have such strict gun laws is the fact that we're not allowed to legally carry you know like a normal you know civilian is not illegal is not allowed to just carry their weapon on them for protection um is it the amount of magazines you're allowed to own is it the the amount that we're not allowed to have automatic weapons extended magazines you know another and the list goes on um is it that or just that you know it so that's actually about it I, i'm i'm not i'm no gun nut though you know i'm i i own a gun yeah dude i ransacked your house this father's day weekend and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find a gun. Yeah. I, I just tried to jack your fiance's walkie-talkie. No, don't do she that. She kind of stopped me from doing that. She I, said that uh, there's a serial on it and she needed to turn it back in. That would cost us $5,000 if you did that. Dude, I like to hear the gossip, bro. <laughs> I like to hear when the cops are, when the chopper's flying over my head. I would like to know what's going on, homie. <laughs> no. She told me I couldn't take it. I, I already no. had it in my pocket and everything. She no, stopped no, me. She said, no, 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 no. Put that back. Yeah. Man, it's a freaking, what's that the kid from the, the, oh, swiper, no swiping. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think that our radios even get Lopanta's um, frequencies anyway. So it would be you just be causing us a headache. <laughs> and you cannot talk on it. Hey, hey. <laughs> Done a special on um, like, Covina. Andy, get off the radio again. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No, I, I, I was one and one. And, and, you know, the other day she asked me to go cut her grass. I'm like, yeah. Cut, cut, go cut you guys' grass? Like, yeah, what, for a walkie-talkie. What grass do we have? I don't know. She said, cut. my backyard's next. And I said, walkie-talkie. <laughs> for a walkie-talkie. Anyway, sorry about the gun laws, um, man. No. So I'm torn, you know, because the liberal in me is like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I want more guns out there in the streets because if someone has road rage and they're a hothead, they have that next to them, you know, like, yeah. what can they do with it? So that's, that's the liberal in me. But then the other flip side, I'm like, well, you can also defend yourself with it. You know, it's, and it's like I mentioned before, it's a tool that isn't, 
but people can abuse that tool. Well, when this when this whole thing started, I actually thought to myself, and I, I told the wife, I'm like, I'm actually worried that we don't own a gun right now. That makes sense. See, in state of emergency like that, like no, 100. percent But for a true reason, you're in your house here, but you're yeah. in California. You're allowed to have a gun in your house for protection. So at that point, it's like, yeah, you, you're. You know, but, but I couldn't shoot it for shit. Well, I went to the la- I went to the Lanto last year and her uncle Jerry tried to help me uh-huh. try to teach me how to the first time me touching a gun 37 years old touching a gun for the first time and he you know helps teaches me how to take it apart and all that good stuff and they're in the desert bro they have a property mm-hmm. so huge then he takes me to the back and he you know hits his target hit hit a certain target I'm pointing the gun on my hand shaking this is the first time pointing the gun this is the first time my hand my finger being on a trigger and I dude, I shoot the first clip, I empty the clip. I did not hit my target. Yeah. Hey, let's try this gun. Oh, I'm like, under the gun? <laughs> I missed the targets, bro. And... Yeah, see, and that's what I'm saying. You know, can you imagine, like, if you're getting robbed, right? Um, First of all, if you're getting robbed with someone at gunpoint, the worst thing to do is try to, hey, let me try to pull out my gun. Yeah. No, that they already they already have the upper hand on you. Right. You know, so do you would you trust a normal person driving by, like, oh, can you imagine, like, you've seen someone on the street getting robbed, and you, the story you just told me, you're like, oh, let me try to save them by me shooting them, and you couldn't hit a target? I'm like, no, you might hit me. Don't <laughs> don't you dare try to shoot. That's the only reason I'll why. I'll give I, him my wallet. And that's the only reason run. why I wouldn't I wouldn't want to own a gun, because I wouldn't be able to shoot it. Yeah, again, so that's that's the thing. Now, people have, the thing is, people are like, oh, I want to own these guns I'll, for I'll protection. T- I'll talk them to death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, you know, it. Which is more impressive than anything. I mean, I think a Bronx Tale says it best. You know, they're like, a tough guy is the one that doesn't own a gun. You know, right. because, you know, all it does is when someone pulls out their gun is how they're going to react. So it's like, you don't always need a gun, you yeah. know, to be that macho man or to, um, you know, for that protection. You know, it's just, it's like I talk to people all the time. It's just being aware of your surroundings. Someone's acting a little shady. Again, some people kind of just get the jump on you. And then just giving your belongings. A lot, it's a lot faster, a lot safer for you and your family. So to answer the question, though, I think the best way would be in the city for to an- answering his question but also in the sense of like bias policing that for if there is any bias policing out there if they want to eliminate that is legalize all drugs legalize all guns and there's no reason why we're taking anyone outside of the cars you know even though in the, in the supreme court pennsylvania versus mims we're allowed to um it's because of all the stuff that has happened like if i pull you over because of that um, Supreme Court decision in Pennsylvania versus Mims. I'm allowed to take you out for whatever reason I want. I don't have to have a reason. I pulled you over. I can a step out the car. Um, so, but that will stop all of that because I know I'm not gonna search the car. I know I'm not gonna, you know, I don't have to, you know, because I'm not looking for guns no more. I'm not looking for drugs no more because they're all legal. So if they're in there, you're legal. You're legally um, able to have them. Yeah. Then there goes all my investigative stuff that I'll be searching for. So. It cuts down on all that, and it's just straight traffic enforcement. And if what it seems like the car route is going down to, you know, automated driving, eventually there's going to be no more traffic enforcement. Right. So there shouldn't be anything like glaring on the line of investigative stops besides like, hey, you look like the person that I'm looking for on, you know, for this shooting or this kidnap, this robbery. But that's it. I'm not going to search your car for like, hey, let me see if you're the guy. No, I mean, you're if if you match the person i just look at the flyer and like oh is this him or not we do some investigative things and that's it yeah yeah that's about it so i know you want to you, you have a serious topic just so everyone listening know these are all my opinions 
these don't reflect LAPDs, like what they've told me and anything like that. These are just from what my perspective. So it's my own biased opinions on, you know, what I believe, you know, should be done. And I can, and also in the sense of like what has been going on. Right. I guess in the whole sense of like the whole defunding, I kind of touched on that earlier, you know, but I'm all for the whole defunding, you know, in the sense of like allocating some of the money that we have, you know, towards inner cities. If that means that I'm not going out to a homeless call a, you know, person with mental health issues, a person, you know, um, so homeless mental health or um, drug addiction, 100% cool with that. I am 100% cool with that. Send a counselor. We can't do anything anyways. We just talk to them and we just give them people like, oh, you have to give them resources. We already do that. We, we give them, we give these people resources. Even on domestic violence, we give them resources. Right. It's just if they want to take it or not. And the one thing I don't agree with is when they're like, oh, send a ACBA domestic counselor going out there to these calls. I'm like, well, hold, hold on, because the two situations is more most um, dangerous for an officer is during a traffic stop because we don't know what we're walking up on and a domestic violence call because we don't know how bad the situation is or how bad it can be because it's all heat of passion, which is probably one of the worst types of, you know, heated arguments to be in when you're, you know, in arguing with someone that you are in a relationship with because we know how how bad they turn because you don't think straight. It's just a whole different type of thinking when you're in an argument, you know, with a you know significant other. Right. So I think police should still respond first, but a domestic counselor should afterwards once we say, Hey, the scene is stable, it's calm, you know, you can we already give them resources, but hey, if you want to come out and talk to them right then and there on the spot, by all means come do your thing. Right. So I'm all for it. People were mentioning how, you know, that um, I know the extremists were saying that, you know, we should cut the police in general. Um, in the 16 days we were that we had limited patrols actually answering radio calls, in just the city of L.A., there was a spike of, of 247% of homicides, not just shooting, homicides. In 16 days. In 16 days. The homicide rate went up 247%. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, so it shows that police presence, and they know this. The criminals, they, they're they so smart. These The criminals, they're so smart. They know we can't be everywhere. Yeah. So if they know, hey, they already have limited resources because they're handling the protest, guess what we have more time doing? Yeah. I know that's not really what defunding is going towards, but there are some extremists that are like, no, we want to abolish the police. That's never going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, think uh, my personal opinion, that's not, that shouldn't happen. I but are we going to have the purge 24-7? Yeah, I mean, unless that happens, I mean, then I would say, yeah, ar- arm up to the teeth. Yeah. You know, because... Um, Time yeah. to get that Nintendo gun out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't even know if I have one. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think there's one back here somewhere. You gotta get that golden eye. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm shot, gonna. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. That's. Uh, I felt bad for the 70, 88 year old woman in I don't I don't remember what state, but I think I was reading on on the news yesterday that she was arrested because she shot somebody. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a store owner, liquor store owner. I, I'm assuming it's liquor store owner, like a, you know, mom and pop shop. Okay. And when they asked her why did she do it, her answer was, "I'm fed up." Meaning she's tired of being robbed. I, I really do feel bad for that woman, dude. I, I do. I I get where she's coming from. 
I, I get it, dude. And you know, she, you know, now she's gonna get penalized for being robbed. So we need the police, dude. Yeah. I mean, My point of view, I might lose some friends after this. Oh well, Paul. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but I, I do believe we need the police. I mean, I've been in jail and I was arrested, and at one point I, I hated the police, but then I thought about it and grew up and said no this is my fault yeah. i'm in here because it's my fault and they were only doing their job yeah i mean it's it's like i was telling you know our mother-in-law literally yesterday that i was talking to it really it dawned on me when i was talking to you know guys I, I, I work south central so i talk to gangsters all the time so i like to do i like to talk to them you know because we both have that it's just it's just so interesting how there's just more of a mutual respect when an officer is talking to a gangster than when I'm talking to someone that's a little bit more educated. Like, yeah. they just want to give us a harder time. They think we're bothering them. You know, when we're just, I mean, if a car fit a description or if they did something bad, we're just talking to them. Yeah. But they think we're trying to look for something bigger, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy how a gangster, he literally told me, like, hey, I know you're just doing your job. And I know that, you know, he, it was pretty much saying, he was pretty much saying, I know you got that you're doing your job and I do what I do because I do what I do to to that's how I support my family survive yeah and you do what you do because you know that's your job and he goes you know but that doesn't mean I don't respect you yeah and that's a gangster like yeah. a hardcore gangster literally telling me like hey man because the thing is they've had more interaction with the police so they know that hey eight out of ten times or maybe nine out of ten times as long as I'm not being you know an a-hole to them or if I don't have anything on me, or even if I do, and I'm just straight up, yeah. I, if, hey, if I got caught slipping this time, I got caught slipping this time. But I'm not yeah. gonna be. I'm gonna sure. I'll I'll catch a case, but you know that's okay. I, again. I do. I, I he pretty much said I know the life I chose. Okay. All right. So well, that mutual respect. So, but kind of going on the flip side, when people are like the whole all cops are bad, you know, like the like when they say that, you know, they um they don't we don't report on ourselves. I mean, and Jocko was right because I already had this knowledge coming in. But when I watched that podcast, he he mentioned it before I did. But he's one hundred percent right that most a majority of the complaints on officers come from other officers. We put the complaints on other officers, not even like a civilian. So we're already in that case snitching on each, each other, other because we know the stigma that is around. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that oh majority of the complaints are coming from the community, no, it's from other officers saying they don't like this. They they saw them do this. They didn't like that in the field, and and the departments you don't get in trouble for that for ratting out another officer. Hey, if he did something bad, boom, you say it. It's anonymous. The person may know. Hey, oh yeah, so I was working with that person, but they they can't. There's no way to retaliate. Yeah. So it makes it a safe environment for officers to actually go out and be like nah he was wrong on this part and I'm going to notify my supervisor Yeah, for that reason because they know that we can if I didn't say anything I can be just as guilty if, if I didn't say anything so the people are like oh they're not snitching oh we are because the numbers show that we're we are snitching on our colleagues if they're doing something bad yeah you know so you know I, I just wanted to clear that up as well and as far as like the whole you know people are like there's always going to be bad cops in the sense of like there's no perfect way of screening out a bad apple because we shoot or they're chosen from the human pool, right? So no one's perfect. Again, back to that, you know, bad apple. 
one of the guys with the whole George Floyd thing, mm-hmm. he was only on the job for four days. Yeah. Now, hopefully my listeners don't hate me for this. But again, I feel bad for that guy. These these guys are your seniorities. You're only following their lead. You're you know, you're technically you're only on the you're on the job for four days. Yeah, I mean I feel I I feel bad for that guy. I mean if he gets convicted, he gets convicted. I mean, do I I I, I don't I honestly do I don't know why, but when I hear, Oh, this guy's gonna do twenty five years for life or this guy's gonna do this and I actually feel bad for them. And it doesn't even matter the crime that was committed. I just feel bad for people. Now, that, that's just me. Yeah. But I truly feel bad for this officer, dude. Well, yeah, ex-officer. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, it, it sucks that, you know, that your partner sometimes puts you in that situation. Luckily, I've never had a partner that's put me in that situation before. Um, hopefully, never puts me in that situation. You know, because, I mean, if four days on a job, I don't I don't know what I would do. Honestly, like, do, do, do I just stand there, too? Because, I mean, when you're, like, Okay, hey, this guy was just resisting. I guess this is what you do. I mean, you're still learning. Yeah. You're, they don't teach you in the academy that, hey, you know, because like I said, no one really teaches, hey, stand on some or kneel on someone's neck. You know what I mean? So that was something so probably brand new to him. And if it wasn't that they taught, he was probably like, oh, okay, yeah, he's controlling him. But didn't know, like, hey, you're not supposed to stand on his neck for eight minutes and 40 some seconds. Yeah. You know, so it, I mean, I feel bad for him. And, should he have stepped in? Sure, but I mean, when you're uh, being in a situation when you're brand new, you, you kind of don't want to say nothing no because who are you? Yeah, I mean, you're new, you're yeah. in a job. Like, it's me. I, I can be 38 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, and I'm new to the job. With zero My mentality experience. is, yes, master. Yes, exactly. master. There's zero experience. I mean, so again, should I have said something? Of course, in the scope of things, it should have, but I mean, unfortunately, I kind of, I guess I understand why he kind of just stood there and thought, this is just the way it this is. This is normal. I guess. Yeah, this is yeah. just normal. Um, so you know there's that i I just think that officers do need more training we do need to get evaluated a little bit more psychologically because maybe maybe happen. like maybe like once a year or every six months maybe because of what you guys are experience oh, experiencing yeah, yeah no 100 percent. you know so i but i mean at the end of the day so when they say defunding in the in the sense of those yes but that they remember as well if you want officers to be properly and more equipped training wise and mentally prepared wise that as well costs money yeah. you know unfortunately yeah. they don't do that for free so i think that money also should be allocated not always in gear that they're always trying to give us like they're trying to give us like this wonder woman type tool it's like not a, i don't say net but it's like a rope that goes out and like lassos like yeah. legs yeah like we don't need that because that to me is pointless like we can i'd rather spend those millions of dollars on robocops <laughs> nah man what's the, the, the shot dude what's the shot <laughs> no i you know i i, I still want to do what i do i just you know give us i guess more training or something you know because yeah. you know we we do need it you know i i think lapd does a better job than other departments but again, we're not perfect still. But I think that's what helps us lower those incidences. I think uh, when I went to your graduation, I think the mayor said it best that said, you guys are all human. Mm-hmm. We're all human. And I love that he thanked everyone's parents for raising good, you know, good, good kids. Because I, I, I saw nothing but kids up there. It doesn't matter how old they were. Yeah. You know, I saw kids. I saw graduation. I actually took the day off work from that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't miss work. <laughs> I actually miss that day, fool. <laughs> I liked what he said. And, you know, I know that my, 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 my in-laws, they had a tear in their eye. I got to meet your parents. Mm-hmm. I got to really meet your parents this, a couple weekends ago. 
good people, dude. I see why you have a good head on your shoulder, man. I freaking give them props. Dude, my, like I said, dude, I, I, I won't get tired of saying it. My kids love you like there's no tomorrow. If you were a bad person or a bad cop, if I believe you were a bad cop, trust me, you wouldn't be here. You know, yeah. my kid, like I said, my kids love you. Just ease off on the on the pedal, homie. Just slow down a little bit. Just because you're a cop, I mean, you got to fucking speed this in. Oh, uh, no, I'm just playing. But no, no, you're, you're a good guy, dude. You're a good kid, man. You good head on your shoulders. I mean, like yeah. I said, I have legally Thank brother-in-laws you, and, you know, but I, I consider you my favorite. You know, you're, Thank you. Thank like you. I said, my kids, you they freaking love you, dude. Again, I will not get tired of saying my kids love you, dude. And I think the day that you showed up with your Pokemon cards, oh, yes, yeah. he has Pokemon cards. I he do. has a freaking millennium falcon a lego set that now yep. my kids want mm-hmm. this is a police officer that i'm sitting <laughs> sitting right here in front of me he collects pokemon cards man come on no yeah i'm a whole new person when i put that uniform on i'm someone completely different but when i take it off hey, yeah man, i'm just you're you're silly childish. silly rick man yeah man i'm just before yes. we before we get to your before we get to the funny question uh-huh any last last words or last thoughts yeah, so the the last thing that I have, you know, I'll end it here because I think this to me is the most crucial thing that we need to work on. And even though we have something we implemented, I think we need to take more time in it. And I got this idea from Jocko as well from the Joe Rogan the podcast. Screen. Yeah, I gotta start listening to this guy. Um, no, he's good, dude. I'm yeah, like, he, I, I don't listen to the podcast. Really, I yeah, have one. No, I I dude, he he has some really smart people in there, dude, and it's it's. It's pretty good. Um, but anyways, I think that we should definitely start building better relationships with people in the community because he said it best that when they were doing their military thing in Iraq, that their, you know, major general, whatever the, the title is, I forget. But they said you couldn't just drive by in your Humvees, you know, showing a, you know, a, a force. You actually had to get down and talk to the people and build that relationship. You know, we have a we have a small unit in each division that does that, but it's again it's small. It's only really in the projects where they do yeah. that. I think officers should do that a lot more when they're driving by in the streets that we know is a gang area location. Not everyone in that location is gang affiliated. There's right. normal people there that just wanna be able to have their kids play outside. Go I on can walk. have my three three teardrops on my eyes and won't be harassed. Yeah, no, yeah. So you know, I think we should just get out of our cars more, talk to people more, build that relationship. So that way, because they're the ones that will tell us, like, hey, you know, house next door, every so-and-so, you know, they do this. And it's just so that way, because they want, same, they want the same thing we do. We just want the bad people. We don't want them there no more. That's right. all it is. And the people, they'll tell you, because they tell me all the time, like, that house there, they always call us. I mean, we just don't want them because we don't feel safe with our kids coming now and stuff like that. So I think the police should do a lot more of, community policing not just you know driving around because i mean i drive around all the time i'm saying hi to kids i get down give them stickers you know you bring uh, us some huh yeah i mean if i can get my hands on them they're lapd is cheap man they don't want to give us those things no more and i have baseball cards to give out homie so. you come to my house and you don't bring the stickers <laughs> that was like early i don't even have stickers no more i haven't had stickers for two years but i'll, I'll, I'll try to get my hands on something that'd be nice so i would like some. one yeah i'll bring you guys some flashback um, when i was a kid i like it <laughs> So yeah, so it I I think that's the one thing that will definitely change, especially the younger generation, is just communicating with them because that's why that's what I do when I see younger kids that are more or less gang affiliated. I spend more time with them than I do with the older people because I know that hey you know what they're yeah. in it you know it's I'm not it's gonna be very hard for me to change their mind, but when I talk to them, you know I I've taken pictures 
of when he's tagged and I know he's on probation and I'll call him, hey dude, come here. Again, I'm, you know, I just show him like, hey, what the hell is this? And I'll show him, you know, his, you know, has a big, their gang name with his moniker right there. And he's like, oh, I'm like, dude, do you have probation right now? Don't make me call your probation officer, dude. Yeah. You're doing good right now, dude. You're, you're almost off probation. So I don't, I talk to him about it, but I don't make it a big deal where I'm like, you know what? You're going to jail for this. Yeah. You know, I just talk to him like, dude, you're almost off probation, dude. Just, it's only a few more months, man. Don't mess up in that time because then they can really stick it to you. Okay. Keep keep a straight arrow. You're doing good right now. Yeah. So sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But I think that's important. I think um, a word of advice from me, who's just a guy that sells beer to a police officer, is just, I guess, just prove the media wrong, man. You oh, keep yeah. doing your job mm-hmm. and prove the media wrong. Prove, you know, the bad apples wrong. Because, you know, I see videos and things about children being scared oh i can't go outside because i'm gonna get shot by the police that's the mentality they're being told by their parents yeah prove them wrong dude you're doing a good job keep doing what you're doing man thank you for coming on the podcast again and people actually want to hear more of your stories a couple of weeks ago hey bring them back bring them back on saturday I had an uncle that came by to finally see the setup and he's like whoa <laughs> i'm a dude you 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 told me to start a podcast and i started a podcast he said, keep Ricky coming on. Before we end this, let's end it with a positive or yeah. a funny or something. Yeah, yeah. So Justin wants to know, what was the funniest traffic stop? Okay. It's not mine, but it is definitely the funniest because I was a part of it. So there's these things that are called. So when we're following a stolen vehicle, it's a backup, which is like more than like, hey, come and assist me. It's like, hey, I need assist now. Because usually when people steal cars, they have, you know, they typically have some sort of weapon on them. So just for everyone's safety, you know, for us at least, more officers there, they know the situation more, you know, it's less likely that the, that the people in the stolen car are going to act more violently. So we kind of make a bigger deal so right. that we, it's just a safe environment. Um, so anyway, so they request a backup. We go there. These are two old timers, right? Um, I'm not going to say their names. I'm not going to say which division because it wasn't even in my division. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't need to get sued or get arrested. <laughs> no. So they're old timers, though. They're pretty much almost retired. And we pull up. And the first thing I see is I see the senior officer. He's like this, pointing at the actual vehicle. And then his partner has his baton because it looks like a lightsaber. You've, you've seen my baton, right? I think so. Yes, yeah. So it's a long black baton. And so he has it and he's holding it. Like, like a lightsaber. Like a lightsaber. <laughs> so there's these two older guys and they're just, it's, I mean, it's usually like a serious thing when it's a backup. Yeah. And they're just finger gun out and the partner with, he's like in a baseball stance holding it like, like a lightsaber. <laughs> and we're just, we're running up there with our pistols in our hands like, what the hell are these clowns doing? <laughs> And how does the guys react? <laughs> they they don't even that's a, that's the thing they don't even know that because usually they're used to like having normal guns pointing out right because I mean they these people have you know stolen cars in the past so they have zero idea that an officer behind them has his finger gun now and he's like at no point <laughs> ever took out his actual gun but see for that's a terrible now a lot of the officers would say don't ever do that that's super unsafe yeah. Um, but be, this guy doesn't care. He has so much time on. He has like I think like thirty or thirty plus years on. He doesn't care. He's yeah. Just, he's just out there with his finger gun. His partner's walking up with his baton in his hand. I mean, <laughs> it's just the funniest scene. 
that I've ever seen. I'm like, these guys are hilarious. That's crazy, dude. I, I, I loved it. I thought that was the most funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, this guy legit had a finger gun pointing <laughs> at a suspect. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, that was crazy. Well, Rick, again, man, thank you for being on the podcast. Obviously, this won't be the last time. And, you know, like I end every podcast, thank you for writing with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tire Indie Podcast. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean.